0: From Quoted Studios, this is Blank on Blank. I'm Amy Drozdowska with our special series on icons of science and innovation, the experimenters. Today, innocence, innovation, and future shock. We're about to hear from an anthropologist and a futurist, two people endeavoring to understand the impact of scientific invention, Who know that while we've started a technological revolution we don't quite know where it's taking us but maybe most interesting of all we'll be hearing these archival interviews from the very future these thinkers were trying to imagine our two guides are margaret mead and alvin tofler will be exploring their view of what the present might have been or possibly in part at least actually came to pass first
1: If we can solve the population explosion, which is the next big problem, and I think that's possible, then we have plenty we never had before, we're going to have free energy that we never had before, we're going to have the possibility of an ordered world, and none of those were possible before. So that we have every opportunity now if we exercise imagination and responsibility.
0: Margaret Mead pioneered an entirely different way of looking at ourselves. With her landmark work as an anthropologist in Samoa and New Guinea, and books like Coming of Age in Samoa, she questioned a lot that we in the Western Hemisphere had taken for granted, like what it meant to be male or female, whether being a teenager had to mean emotional storms and rebellion, and the difference between being civilized and primitive.
2: We speak of primitive societies in a very patronizing way, don't
1: we? Well, some of us do, but in general we call them developing or emerging nations today, which is not as patronizing because it's recognizing not where they've been but where they're going. And certainly people all over the world who've been exposed during and since World War II to the new possibilities that are offered by the whole scientific revolution want what we have. They don't want their children to die, they want themselves to be able to live longer, all the new possibilities of the modern world.
2: Something we have, of course, there's never things we haven't got that they have, wouldn't you say?
1: But it doesn't make very much sense to say we don't have what they have. I mean, we don't have the simplicity of living at the dawn of the world. It's like going back and trying to regain lost innocence.
0: Margaret Mead is speaking there with the legendary Studs Terkel back in 1965 for Studs's WFMT Chicago radio show. This interview being one of the many gems in the Studs Terkel archive. You probably know Mead from her famous slogan: "Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world." It's that possibility for positive change to which Margaret Mead applied her expertise in anthropology and psychology. And she thought big enough to apply the same kind of study she used in the tiny, remote villages of the South Pacific to overcrowded American cities. And she advocated for ways we could do things differently, to create a future we could look forward to, rather than dread.
2: So much happens these days. Uh, The triple revolution is called...
0: At the time of their conversation, talk of the so-called triple revolution was in the air.
2: Cybernetics, human rights, weaponry... The
0: idea that giant leaps in human rights would lead people across the globe to fight for freedom like never before. That advances in technology would cause robotic automation of jobs and unemployment.
2: Cybernetics, weaponry...
0: And that the weaponry revolution was bringing the doomsday threat of nuclear arms.
2: I'm thinking about the spirit of turmoil that we're in, Dr. Meade. It seems all-encompassing. So much has happened so quickly. And I think we have to call upon, not politicians this time, but observers, anthropologists, sociologists, psychologists, Dr. Margaret Mead, all three of these. Dr., since we live in a society that's so highly technological, isn't something being lost that need not be lost that the societies you wrote about have?
1: No, I don't think something is being lost. I think we're in a transition period of trying to find out how to make new kinds of human relations. For instance, if you take the movement from the country to the city, now people are leaving several things. They're leaving because there's no more work there because of technology. But they're also leaving the community that was so small that no one in a sense ever had a chance to change. You had a certain kind of family and everybody knew them. And people were held in a mold by the memory of everyone around them and given no chance to break out. The city gives you a chance to start over, to come in as a stranger and meet other strangers and build something new.
2: This in a strange way connects uh, to me with your marvelous early book, Coming of Age in Samoa. The question of choices is that with too many things are happening to us in contrast a, to a child growing up in Samoa who knows what his position is, what his life is like and grows up a more natural man or am I misinterpreting you?
1: Well, I don't think he grew up more naturally. No. He grew up more simply. They were less interesting, less complex, and less likely to produce anything. And they weren't ambitious. Now if you have a society with enormous possibilities of aspiration, you obviously are going to have more of a gap between the aspiration and the reality. I mean, when we talk about the terrible poverty in this country, we're not talking about the poverty that exists in the rest of the world. But the poverty that we have is a kind of poverty of the spirit. Because poverty in the midst of plenty is very different from poverty where other people share it because there is no food.
2: The monolithic structure of it that the same economic, racial, social state. Well, I think of it
1: as fragment. People are living only with their own age, only with their own economic group, sometimes only with their own occupational group, and they are losing track of the whole of society. They're cut off from older people and younger people and people of different kinds, people of other races and people of other classes. And so we're producing people that aren't wholly human beings.
2: Somewhere you said, Dr. Mead, about old people, people 60 or over, have so much to contribute.
1: An enormous amount, you see, because they have leisure. They're members of of the modern world. They're not antediluvian people, after all. And they've changed more than any other people alive. They know more about change. And old people are very conservative in an unchanging society. If you have your children brought up by grandparents, you get great conservatism but in a society where the grandparents have lived through the first appearance of movies radio and tv and all of these things your grandparents become the model of change and they can give children a sense of depth they can give them a sense of how much has happened and how much could happen
2: The phrase we hear very often is that we are a child-oriented society, that the child dominates us. I suppose due to the fact that many of the commercials on TV aim toward the kid to get the parent to...
1: The commercials on TV are aimed towards the kid because in this country the parents have always looked to the children to understand the present and the future. If they were immigrants, they'd look to the children to understand the present. And now, in such rapid change, we all have to look to the children to understand the future. The children know more about the future than we do. The children were born here. The children are natives, and the adults are immigrants now.
0: Like Margaret Mead, Alvin Toffler thought a lot about the limits of our ability to understand the world we're living in, just how hard it is to keep up with it all. The revolutions that interested Toffler were the digital and the communication revolutions and their impact across the globe. For Toffler, most famous for his 1970 book Future Shock, it's not just what we're doing to create our future, it's how we're thinking about it.
3: You see, the future doesn't exist. There's no such thing as it. It hasn't happened. Therefore, it isn't. For me, the future is really inside our heads and inside our culture. It's a set of possibilities. It's not a single railroad track proceeding into the distance toward the stars. And in order to guide ourselves through that maze, that array of openings to tomorrow, we need to know a great deal about what's happening today.
0: The influence of Toffler's ideas actually stretched pretty far and wide, from techno music to the Chinese economy and you've probably found yourself quoting him without even knowing it. It's Alvin Toffler who coined the term information overload.
3: I I think that people don't find it so
1: easy to make decisions when they are faced with so many seemingly equally weighted decisions Mm -hmm. and so little in the way of a guideline.
3: I think that that's very closely related to what I meant by future shock, that people are paralyzed by the number and variety and rapidity of the decisions. This is what I called overload Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, or (laughs) overchoice. If we look at what's happening now, we can see a fundamental transformation, a really profound revolution, which is taking place within a single lifetime. And with that comes a totally new consciousness of time. Primarily, I think, because of the acceleration of change, we're finding that a focus on the past or even on the present by itself is no longer adequate. We have to begin to anticipate what could happen in order to be able to shape events in the directions that we might prefer. And so the futurist movement is an attempt to inculcate a future consciousness, and it cuts against the grain to a degree. And that's a fundamental cultural revolution. We now are on the edge of a set of biological breakthroughs that could absolutely transform human bodies, minds, bloodstreams, nervous systems, and so forth, of a restructuring, not simply of the culture, but indeed of the biological organism we call human and indeed many of the people who are concerned about this also believe that we have allowed technology to run wild that we've just gone ahead and and made the biggest bang for the buck that we could uh, without ever stopping to ask what will the automobile do to human lives what will DDT do and so forth and so on What future consciousness says is that you ought to be highly conscious, as conscious as you can be, of the consequences of your behavior. All technologies, like everything else, have side effects. I don't look to technology for the solutions to our problems. Our problems are human problems, they're political problems. The technology can be useful or it cannot be useful. We're not making very good use of technological opportunities that we do have, but the solutions are not technological, they're political. generations by social scientists and philosophers and so on that if you have a technological society you're all going to be flattened out and be made into robots faceless regimented de-individualized human beings that's not the case in my view so that one can look at many technologies it's the example you're holding in your hand right now it's a tape recorder Mm -hmm. let me show you why i think the tape recorder is an example of an advanced technology which leads toward individualism a broadcasting station is a center It sends a message, which it then distributes to 100,000 homes simultaneously. That's called mass media. It's called broadcasting. Now, whoever controls the center controls the messages going out all over. But the tape recorder makes it possible for me to tape a message that I want to tape and to pass it along to you, for you to make a copy of that and send it out as a chain letter.
1: And perhaps even plug Uh, it into a computer once it's networked.
3: That's right. That's why the Russian government hates tape recorders. They take them away from you when you come over the border. (laughs) There are poets and singers and protesters and dissidents who can't ever get access to the broadcasting system but make a tape and pass it from hand to hand so a chain letter goes out through the society. It's a democratic technology, and it's an individualizing technology. I don't buy the idea that we're all going to become the same. I think that that is a radical misunderstanding of where we're going. I think, if anything, we're all going to become more different from one another. would wind up by saying that I'm not a futurist. (laughs) I regard myself as a human being interested in shaping the tomorrow of my society and my world. And in order to do that, I've got to think about those things, but I'm a social critic. I write to influence tomorrow. One wonders if you're not a futurist, who is? <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a phrase, but I say yeah. what I say to emphasize. I am not interested in simply observing the human process. I am interested in participating in it, and that means, to some degree, influencing the course of history. I also do not delude myself into thinking that what I say is either value-free or apolitical or amoral. It is connected with all of that.
0: Alvin Toffler speaking with Pacifica Radio's Linda Strawn back in 1976. Thanks very much to the Pacifica Radio Archives, as well as to the Studs Terkel Archive for working with us on bringing these interviews back to life. This episode is part of our science and innovation series, The Experimenters. Support comes from the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science, technology, and economic performance. More information on Sloan at sloan.org. Thanks also to PRX, the public radio exchange, for helping make this all happen. Be sure to check out the other episodes in our Experimenters series. Watch the animated shorts highlighting icons of science and innovation on our website, blankonblank.org. David Gerlach is the executive producer of Blank on Blank. This episode was produced by me, Amy Drozdowska, along with David. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and learn just what we're uncovering lately in the archives.
4: Thank you.